Jen, it's Monday night, and I know there's something that made you do a spit take. What'd you disagree with this week? I don't know if it's necessarily disagree, but I just want to pile on and discuss the Falcons for a second. <laughs> so they're out here just collecting mediocre wide receivers. I mean, let's talk. So, okay, this offseason they added Auden Tate. Sure, whatever. This past week they now have Brian Edwards and Geronimo Allison all in the mix. Yeah, um, yeah. I just find that intriguing. I mean, there were plenty of – free agents that were available at one point this offseason and they just kind of waited and now they're just collecting randoms that are left off the scrap pile uh you top that off with the fact they have a really brutal opening stretch uh to start the season they have the saints at home then they then they go to the seahawks which isn't awful they're home against the browns then they have to go to the bucks play the 49ers and then at the Bengals. so i'm just not really psyched about taking any falcons this season and I, they're not really doing anything to help the cause there for me to want to take any falcons so that's kind of my, my spit take there. Yeah, I, I think it's worth spitting on the Falcons. I okay. think that's perfectly all right. <laughs> uh, also, uh, I wonder if maybe the GM was like, hey, we've still got Roddy White and Julio Jones, right? That's what we've got. And just forgot. And then they looked and went, wait a minute. Wait, Alden Tate, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> But that's okay. We can all uh, be upset about the Falcons and the entire state of their fantasy weapons. Uh, but for now, let's get to the show. Accurate podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Niles, and with me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Uh, like we were talking before the show, I'm all over the place this week. Uh, my baby girl, she's graduating from high school uh, this Aww. weekend, so we've got plenty of stuff going on here in the Allen house, but plenty, a couple of proud parents here in the Allen household. But other than that, I mean, happy to be able to sit down and talk ball with y'all again tonight. Uh, Jen, how you doing other than hating on the Falcons and my boy Auden <laughs> Tate, by the way, I mean, I had I to, knew. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. me too. I threw some shade. I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew you weren't going to love that. Uh, no, I am good. I actually, speaking of children, I, I let my son take a hooky day today and we went to the, uh, the like petting zoo type aquarium thing that they have here, which is really cool. Right. So we, we got to pet a wallaby and uh, hang out with a toucan and do all kinds of cool stuff. So uh, not football related, but I'm doing well. Brandon, what are you up to? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Don't pet the shark. I've learned that when you go to the petting zoo aquarium and they've got the big shark and they say, put your hand in the water, it's a trick. Don't do it. You yeah, will I lose your arm. That's just uh, I, mm -hmm. just my own personal experience. So mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> if you'd like to uh, gain an arm and an arm being of money, of course, then go play some best ball on underdog and you can go and uh, get some early best ball action with a promo we have right now. You deposit $10 in a new underdog account, get a deposit bonus match and a four for four pro subscription uh, just under four for four. That's four F O R four in the promo code box. Uh, before we get to stat of the week, I want to talk a little bit about Jerry Judy. Uh, not a whole lot going on with that. We don't know a ton, but we know he was arrested uh, for second degree criminal tampering. Uh, and this is according to CBS, it indicates interference with another person's property with intent to cause injury. So uh, that's 
something and apparently it has like a domestic violence enhancer and it's a misdemeanor but now i'm seeing that the accuser has asked the judge to drop it i don't know what's going on uh you y'all are drafting chris are you is this affecting how you're drafting judy has there been a dip are we buying it or do we care i think like shortly after the news broke i did see in a couple of drafts just like a slight dip just because nobody really knew what to do with it I, like most other folks, saw the DV portion of it, and then that's the thing that you kind of key in on. It's just, oh my goodness, like what, what is the situation? Hopefully everything's okay, and what more can we know about it? Uh, but just now hearing or getting more details out of the situation doesn't look like this is going to have a major fantasy impact. Real life, I mean, we'll wait and see what all is going to happen afterwards. But from that standpoint, it does seem like most of this is going to, again, blow over from a fantasy perspective. So However, I was valuing Jerry Judy beforehand. I was essentially taking him at ADP. I have no issues with taking him slightly ahead of that if you want to reach maybe a few spots ahead. Uh, but yeah, I think I, I still would be, he would be one of the guys that I want to target in the Denver offense for sure. Excellent. Jen, uh, any uh, reservations about Judy in light of this news? Not really. I mean, on the, you know, I live in Denver and the local news, it was uh, at least reported that he was holding his, I don't know if it's girlfriend you know, mother of his child, whatever, holding like infant formula, and which I assume that's the like intent to cause harm because he was withholding baby formula. Oh yeah. Interesting. Um, and, and like her wallet or something. I mean, you know, there was nothing physical whatsoever as far as violence goes. So um, I would think that we shouldn't really worry about it. I mean, considering that, you know, guys can beat up their pregnant girlfriends and still play in the NFL for, and miss a couple games. I would assume paid a lot, <laughs> right. I would assume that Judy is not going to suffer anything for this. Cause it really wasn't anything, um, at least with physical harm or anything like that. So um, I'm still, you know, I kind of like, to be honest with you though, I kind of like Cortland Sutton better anyway. Um, at ADP, yeah. I feel like Judy, uh, you know, he's, he was a great prospect coming out and we were all excited about him, but so far he hasn't really panned out fantasy wise. Now, granted he hasn't had a good quarterback yet. So I guess we'll see what happens there, but uh, I kind of like Sutton better if we're, if we're just comparing the both of them. You don't really have to pay for Sutton, which is nice. Last year you had to pay for him. So this year, not so much, uh, which is really, really interesting. Uh, okay, so not, nothing really to see. I like that. I think that makes perfect sense. All right, so uh, we're going to talk schedule release and some of uh, the matchups that we like. We're going to talk about that since the NFL now has a, an official 2022 schedule. But before we get into that, uh, I do want to find out what stat of the week Chris brought us. All right. So I think later on to today's show, we're going to be talking about like quarterback pairings and just like how quarterbacks and fantasy can be valued. And just to kind of help set the stage for that, I wanted to at least take a look back at the 2021 season and see what types of quarterbacks actually made up the top 12 in fantasy scoring. And of course, we got the same guys like the Josh Allens, the Justin Herberts and all that, mostly the rushing guys like we typically wanted to see. But if we look at the top 12 in its totality, it actually had the fewest number of rushing quarterbacks or quarterbacks that were either in the top 12 for either rushing yards or rushing touchdowns since like 2017. Over the past four years, it's been like overwhelmingly like rushing quarterbacks. I mean, Konami code just all over the place, like from Kyler Murray, like when he joined the league, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. I mean, all of those guys, I mean, even Patrick Mahomes, remember like a few years ago when he was like more of a rushing quarterback or just mobile, let's just say that instead of saying rushing quarterback. And so it's been like 
eight of the top 12 or 10 of the top 12 have been in the uh, have been rushing or mobile quarterbacks, guys that we can rely on to get both passing touchdowns and rushing touchdowns. But last year was just six. We haven't seen six of the 12 like being in the top 12 since 2017. And like my first inclination, and I wonder if you guys would think this too, just hearing that stat. I mean, do you guys think, I mean, mobile quarterbacks are, are back in vogue, I guess, like when it comes from a fantasy perspective, just hearing that? I, I mean, it's interesting. I wouldn't think that that number would take a dip. But then you think about guys, you've got your Tom Brady who kind of throws a wrench in it all, right? He's always up right. there and some of the other statues that are still out there. Uh, but I think that, you know, now we have, we have hurts and, you know, we've got some new guys to throw in the mix that I think uh, may bring that number. I guess we'll see, but uh, I'm definitely, you know, that's surprising to me. I would think we'd be closer to the nine or 10 range, but without actually looking at, at the guys from last year, like I said, I would assume Brady is, is kind of one of the guys that throws a wrench in there. I wonder, uh, it was that per, uh, fantasy points per game or total fantasy points? Total fantasy points. Like in, okay. If you look at fantasy points per game, like Lamar Jackson still crept up in, up in there since uh, like he missed a number of games because of illness and whatnot. But yeah, just to get total fantasy points over the season. Yeah, just six of the 12, which was kind of interesting to me. I wonder, you know, we had uh, we had Matt Stafford, right? Uh, was Burrow in that top 12? Yep, Burrow was okay. in that top 12. And that was kind of the thing that made me, I don't know, kind of pump the brakes on the whole idea that, we should be targeting. I mean, we should try and take quarterbacks that are in good situations, regardless sure. of if they're mobile or not. But Jen hit the nail on the head earlier, saying like Tom Brady was in there. I mean, Tom Brady at what, 44 years of age, throwing for 5,300 plus yards like last season. We had both Super Bowl quarterbacks on the list in the top 12 last year, too, in Matt Stafford and Joe Burrow, not either of them being incredibly mobile as well. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is in there. So again, still not incredibly mobile. He did get a few rushing touchdowns last year, but we're talking about the, I mean, the MVP from last year as well. I mean, these are four of the guys, like four of the six non-mobile quarterbacks that made the top 12 last year. And just think about the, the heights that they had to attain in order to get into the top 12. You're talking about an MVP, two Super Bowl quarterbacks, and arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. That's that incredible. Like three quarters of the list, like right there. So I don't know. I mean, I think this year with Lamar Jackson, theoretically coming back with a vengeance and assuming he's going to make it like all, you know, you know, full 17, 18 game season and whatever the case may be. I mean, we might see Kyler Murray and that Arizona Cardinals offense come back. So there are a couple of guys that I think last year got knocked out because of injury scheduling and whatever the case may be. So I don't know. I, I think there is a chance that, we might see there's that number Dak kind of too. back. Yeah, and Dak, Dak as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, so I think there's a Jalen Hurts there. coming mm -hmm. on. Uh, last year was kind of the first year we didn't have Cam, right? Yeah. Last year was, uh, or yeah, didn't have Cam. I, I guess we had a little Cam, but. <laughs> a little bit. Haven't had the full Cam probably since like, what, 2019? Been a little maybe? while. Been a little yeah. while since we had the full. No, that's interesting. I, I would expect that number goes back up a little bit this year, but that's just my guess with Hurts and Murray, the guys you, you mentioned, and Dak. Uh, but that's interesting. I'm shocked because. I, I, it's a trend I would expect to continue to go even more uh, leaning Konami code. I would expect that. Agree. And I think it get, makes the case for a lot of the guys that people are drafting in best ball in like the middle-ish rounds because you still see Aaron Rodgers kind of go there. Matt Stafford is probably what, like the QB 13, 14, somewhere in there. And I'm sure we'll get to it once we get into the best ball discussion. But as we start to make our cases for the guys that we're going to essentially be anchoring our best ball squads to, I don't know. It's, it's a good thing to see that there's, I don't know, less of an emphasis 
on the rushing quarterback. And there are paths to multiple quarterbacks getting in there because if you're not going to be able to draft one of those maybe like top 12 or top 14 guys, I don't know. I mean, I've seen already, we're already starting to see arguments for, I don't know, Derek Carr, who's mm-hmm. what quarterback 16, yeah. 17, Kirk Cousins, who's still like waiting around there, like towards the back end. I mean, even the second year guys as well. So I don't know, there, there is a path for the uh, the viability of some of those guys, even if they don't have the Russian component. Jen, do you think it has anything to do with the like massive influx of wide receiver talent the last few couple years? I don't know, maybe. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't imagine that that hurts the cause, right? I mean, you've got a lot more weapons just in the league in general. You've got, you know, teams wide receiver fours that are actually scoring fantasy points and actually advancing in best ball mania three. Um, I know, I know TJ Hernandez had found, I think it's like a QB wide receiver four stack was like one of the highest, you know, rates, which is crazy when you think about that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't see, I don't see it hurting at least all the talent out there. Oh, so you, from what I just heard, you guys are saying Auden Tate would be a good draft pick then. Is what you guys are telling me. <laughs> that yeah, was elite. If if he actually was in a situation where he had a quarterback that we could trust. In in all the leagues that you and I are in together, Chris, I recommend you jump on Tate early. Get Tate early just to make sure you can get him. (laughs) (laughs) Top five rounds, I'm saying. That's what I think. Okay. Well, maybe that might be a little too rich for me, but I'll think about it. Uh, Let's talk schedule. Uh, You know, the schedule was released. Uh, I do want to point out uh, TJ Hernandez has an article. Uh, which I am going to put a banner up for if I can figure out how to do it. Luckily, uh, I am here, but uh, sadly, our wonderful Sal is under the weather and is not uh, here doing this. So we'll we'll see. I believe if I can in you, Brandon. Out. You can do it. <laughs> we'll see if I can figure out how to do that. But hey, there oh, we go. Look hey, you got it. There's TJ's article. I'll leave that up there for just a, f- a few minutes here, and we'll put it in the show notes as well. Uh, he really looked at the late season matchups and best ball targets and uh, people you really want to take a look at. So building off of that, let's start with you, Jen. When the schedule gets released and you're evaluating best ball, um, what are you looking at as far as actionable advice? Well, so TJ's article goes over uh... – week 17 which is the final round of best ball mania but for me i mean at least one thing that i'm going to look at also week 14 is the last week to advance so it's like if i like to look at both but i think we can't overlook week 14 because if you if you have a a, you know a push the last week you might at least advance and then get your money back kind of thing and go to the next you know the next round so um, I kind of looked. Do you want to go over? Because I, I looked at week 14. I've got some guys. Are we doing that now? Or did you just want general strategy? No, I, I think absolutely. I would love some week 14 targets that you're kind of looking at now that the schedule's out. And as as we're drafting right now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I looked. So basically, if you want to, you know, make kind of that final push to advance, because sometimes you're in, you know, second or third slot and you only need, you know, you're behind by 30. And if you can kind of. So I looked at a couple games that, you know, at least right now in May. Uh, look like they could be shootouts or games that possibly these guys will score a lot. And obviously I'm not going to talk about obvious guys that you're going to take that are there anyway. But so in week 14, you've got Broncos chiefs, which they actually play again in week 17, which TJ goes over that in his article. Um, But week 14, you got a Broncos chiefs, which, you know, those divisional games, especially in the AFC West, they're always going to be shootouts. And now that Russell's in town, I feel like, um, this could be so. I think there's guys like Sky Moore. Uh, his ADP right now is 82. You know, Marquez Valdez Stantling. He's at he's at 108. You know, a late ninth rounder. 
You got Melvin Gordon right now. His ADP is 113. He's a 10th rounder. I yeah, feel he's like kind he's kind of a steal, isn't he? Possibly. Right I mean, I, I think that's going to that's gonna go up, but I think people are so into Javante Williams, they're kind of forgetting that Gordon's not going to just go away. Um, and then you got Tim Patrick there, too, who's got an, an ADP of 135. Um, and then if you switch over to the, to the Broncos side of things, oh, I guess I did do that already. Um, a lot of people are going after Albert O, which he still is pretty cheap. He's a 12th rounder. But I just wrote an article this morning on the new the rookie tight end, uh, Greg Dulcich. Dulcich. Yes, yeah. Dulcich. Um, and I think he's one of those guys that could be – well, first of all, Alberto has a tendency to get hurt, right? I know mm-hmm. injury prone yep. is not a, not a real thing. However, he's played 18 games in two seasons. So, uh, you know, it, it is a thing for him. Um, I think that, you know, right now he's free. I mean, he's 18th round. Uh, he's a guy that you can just grab at the end. And A, aside from the scheduling – he may have those random two weeks where he scores two touchdowns, you know, each week. And then in week 14, towards the end of the season against the Chiefs, he may be, you know, a random guy that could go off if Alberto gets hurt or if, you know, they do two tight end sets or whatever. So he's kind of a guy that I think is a good late round flyer. Um, there's one other game I looked at, uh, which is the Raiders Rams. Uh, I mean, the Rams defense is good, but uh, Las Vegas is going to be an improved offense and their defense is horrible. So, you know, the okay. Rams were looking at Van Jefferson. You know, he's a 13th rounder. Daryl Henderson is a 13th rounder. And Higby is a 13th rounder. So all three of those guys are there. Uh, the Raiders, you got Renfro in the eighth. Carr is a ninth rounder. So he's kind of someone that people aren't necessarily targeting, but he could be a good guy for, you know, to air it out that late. And then you got Zamir White, uh, who is a 17th rounder. By that time, he could have, you know, if Jacobs gets hurt, he could carve himself a nice little role in that offense and, uh, might show up, you know, if I don't. Yeah. So the, those are the guys I, I have pegged for week 14. Um, I didn't really look into week 17 because I knew that you were going to promote TJ's article and people can check it out there. And it's, you know, like you said, he went over everything for week 17. And it's uh, free right now. So go check out that article. Chris, how do you uh, approach best ball once the season uh, schedule is released? Is it similar to Jen? Any targets that you like? Yeah, it's similar to Jen, where I'm trying to balance the fact that while week 17 is obviously, if you one get to that point, it's the, I mean, outcomes could be you win what $2 million or something like that, especially with BB three. Yeah. So it's difficult to balance that with the fact that you still need those same players to get you to that point. You still need what 14, 15, 16 weeks of good production or elite production from some of them, depending on the draft capital that you use for them. Like I've already seen folks start to at least discuss. I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to completely fade or avoid this player, but I've heard folks already discussing the the fact that, well, Jamar Chase, the the Bengals, they play the Bills in in week 17. I mean, that's going to be a tough wide receiver cornerback matchup for Jamar Chase. So should you spend the 104, 105, or essentially the wide receiver two or three spot on a guy like Jamar Chase, knowing that he's going to have a tough matchup in week 17. Whereas for me, like while some folks are already thinking about it from he has a bad matchup in week 17, I'm thinking about the 15 to 16 matchups that come before that, that will allow me to get to that point. So I'm trying to balance like both things. Like when I go and look at that and while it is definitely important because you are trying to like win a tournament, I mean, in a massive, in a massive uh, style or massive field, uh, I do think that is important to kind of reconcile the fact that you are going to have to play through four months of, I mean, having to have these players like on your roster. So you do need to kind of balance those two things. And a couple of games that I saw, I mean, I definitely agree with what TJ has in there. Uh, I mean, the one uh, being the, I mean, Green Bay, Minnesota matchup, 
like in week 17. Love that. Uh, like pretty much from either side, like both passing games, I wouldn't mind like trying to get pieces of. While I know that Green Bay's defensive front has definitely uh, taken a step forward uh, with the, what they picked up was a Quay Walker, if I'm remembering correctly, that they drafted. They took Walker in the first, yeah. Yeah, took Walker in the first. Uh, they also have a couple guys, uh, at least one person like returning from injury from last season too, so their defensive front should be good. Uh, they just saw, I remember seeing the uh, what extension for Jair Alexander earlier today. So it's just their defensive front and some of their passing defense like should also be pretty decent. But I like both passing games for that particular game. Uh, but another one, a couple others that kind of caught my eye uh, looking at in week 17, there was one, uh, where was it? Might go under the radar, but Houston versus Jacksonville in week 17. So I'm, for, I'm kind of with you there. I'm kind of with mean, you on that one. I mean, for folks that are, I mean, they're either in on Brandon Cooks, because I know he's a pretty good arbitrage deal on a guy like Terry McLaurin, or if anybody is looking for the resurgence of the Jacksonville offense, if you still believe in Trevor Lawrence, any of the pieces like still left in that passing game, could be a good i mean that could be a good matchup to target in week 17 that a lot of the players associated with both both offenses i mean what's the earliest you're going to be able to draft anybody from houston or the jags i mean fifth sixth round at the earliest so i mean i think those would be that that along with what most of what tj put in the article definitely worth perusing and seeing if you can just add parts and pieces of that to your roster as you go along in your draft uh jen Chris just talked a lot about tournament play, which makes a lot of sense. Um, I know you, like me, do several of just the isolated 12-person leagues. You, I know you you forayed into three-person leagues earlier. Uh, but those 12-person leagues that, that you and I play a lot, does um, your approach change? Or are you kind of looking at it the same way? No, I mean, listen, those, and by the way, I'm in a six person one right now, which is pretty funny. Um, oh, I haven't done one of those yet. Yeah, it's, it's, I did slow by accident, so it's brutal. I mean... Even for six people, it's taking forever. I think we're finally in round like 12, but it's been a week. Um, but no, you know, those tournaments uh, and week 17 is the final week. So you're looking at the same kind of thing. Uh, you know, week 17 is important there because it's not like you're just advancing. That's for the actual money. So um, it's nice to try to have some guys that could possibly give you a boon there in week 17. Because like I said, you can be maybe 20 points out of first place and uh, have a couple guys that are going to, you know, have better matchups or, or be able to kind of put you over the edge. So I don't know that I put too, too, too much into it. Uh, but if I'm deciding between a couple of players, you know, or I'll go into the draft with a short list, like, okay, make sure you kind of check on these guys. Cause they, they, they'll be week 17. You know, they could be your week 17 hero and give you that edge. But you know, there's the other side of the coin strategy wise, where if you draft so impeccably, then you, should be like 180 points out in front and it shouldn't matter in week 17. So, you know, there's that too. But I think that, um, you know, it's worth paying attention to. I wouldn't base your entire draft strategy in any of those three, six, 12 team regular leagues on, you know, around week 17, but it is something to kind of look at. That makes sense. All right. Let's, uh, I want to talk quarterbacks, uh, because when the schedule comes out, those onesie positions tend to be the ones I look the hardest at because I, I like to know who I'm going to take as my backup quarterback. I, I look at the bye weeks and I look at the way quarterbacks pair up. So, uh, I had kind of a few that I want to, I just kind of want to share with you that I'm targeting in, in best ball right now. Uh, when I go early, and when I go early on quarterback, it's Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. That's that's kind of those are the only guys I'm looking at. And mostly when I say or Patrick Mahomes, I mostly mean Josh Allen uh, when I'm taking him early third round. And, you know, 
no one will ever confuse me with a Patriots fan or, or a Mac Jones supporter in general. Like he seems like a good kid, but I'm not big on him fantasy wise in general, but he's available in the 16th round. And if you go early at quarterback, the last thing you want to do is invest a lot of quarterback capital. Uh, now I know there's uh, a lot of studies that show that uh, win rates are pretty high when you're going uh, when you take quarterback like five and six or whatever the case may be. But when I take one in the third round, I like I like to wait as long as possible. Mac Jones, 16th round. On Josh Allen's bye week, he's facing Chicago, who was 19th at AFPA last year. And that's adjusted fantasy points allowed for for four's metric. Uh, the defense probably will take a step back because the uh, that they lost players. The defense doesn't look like it's on the upswing. And then those cold spots that uh, that Buffalo's got week three in Miami, week 11 in Cleveland. Uh, those are weeks that Mac Jones faces Baltimore and the Jets. And uh, those two both were very, very low ranking in AFPA last year against quarterbacks uh, and could be shootouts, could be the types of games that they need to throw. So. If, if you need a quarterback pair up in best ball and you're investing early uh, in, in someone like Josh Allen, uh, try Mac Jones. Try him out. Um, my, my Mahomes pair was Matt Ryan, who you can get in the 14th round. Uh, similar bye week, he faces Washington. Cold spots uh, against Buffalo and two against Denver. He's got Jacksonville and the Giants. So it's, it's good. Uh, good pairing, and those are kind of my targets as I'm doing that. Uh, Chris, I know you always have your, uh, your thumb placed right on the quarterback position and uh, kind of getting an idea of how you want to approach it. Uh, anyone stand out to you, any pairings that you were looking at? I'm definitely looking in like the middle rounds to almost essentially double tap the position. Like once we get into the say rounds seven through 11 thereabouts, I uh, actually did a piece. Uh, I don't know, kind of dovetails off of what TJ has found uh, in terms of looking at not just constructing best ball like best ball rosters for a BBM but just in general over on underdog and looking at drafting quarterbacks like in the middle rounds I think the the best the most optimal way to try and form form your team is if you just essentially just take your second quarterback almost immediately there afterwards uh, using our own tools developed by our director of analytics Sam Hoppen uh, the roster construction tool that we currently have available on 444, I looked at if you were to wait until, let's say, the sixth or seventh round to draft your first quarterback, and then looking at the playoff advance rate of when you would take your second quarterback thereafter, if you wind up just taking a quarterback in the eighth or ninth round, no problem. Well above the baseline average, which is about 16.7% for playoff advancement rate. And for guys or for uh, drafters that waited until like the eighth or ninth, around 25, 24%. But if you continue to wait until the end of the middle rounds, so like the 10th, 11th, 12th round, it actually drops to around 16 to 17%. So it is actually advantageous for you to go ahead and just hit your quarterbacks like almost right at like one right after the other. So let's say like Jalen Hurts and Aaron Rodgers would be an almost excellent quarterback pairing. Well, especially given the archetype of quarterbacks that I'm talking about, but also bye weeks also don't uh, also don't mess each other up, so on and so forth. And we also talked about I have Green that Bay exact pair having right here. Yeah, Green Bay having a good week 17. Yeah, that's the perfect way to try and look at it. Uh, but even with uh, like the early round stuff, I mean, going early and then taking another guy towards the middle rounds as well. I mean, that also allows you to have just the access to a ceiling with your early round quarterback with sustained production like across across the rest of the season as well. Because sure, I mean, I have no problems with taking like Josh Allen and Mac Jones like you were you were saying earlier. But it's just the reliance on that quarterback one throughout the end, like like four months of the season 
that's your, I mean, you are expecting nothing but like top three or essentially top three performances for a majority of that quarterback one season, which I mean, why not always be the case? You might get Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson. I, know, I will from say, I will it's say that when you, I will say that when you take a quarterback in the third round, if you don't get that, you're kind of already screwed. Yeah. So it's just that, but going in that route and trying to like pair them with a middle round guy. So like I said, like a Jalen Hurts or like, you know, insert name here that at least offers you like some sustainability so that if that does happen to occur, at least you are somewhat protected in in that sense. And there are other ways to try and mitigate some of the risk in taking a quarterback early, but we'll get into that later. But I think those are the kind of pairings that I'm trying to look for being able to build a strong roster early within like the first, you know, four five, six rounds, and then trying to just like hit the position, just like one, two, uh, whether it's, like I said, Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers is probably the gold standard. I mean, but I'm sure everybody will probably love that stack as well. So I'll try and find a couple other guys I can take at about the same price range. Sure. Uh, keep in mind, right in that area, uh, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Trey Lance, all those guys, same bye week. Just keep that in mind. Uh, Jen, uh, do you have a, a a different thought? I know you mentioned you've got Rodgers and Hurts. Do you have any other quarterback pairings you're eyeing? I do. Um, you know, like you mentioned, if you do go early, which I assume that Justin Herbert kind of qualifies as early. I, I don't know what his actual ADP is right now, but I think he's like right in the middle. Yeah, I've been seeing him in the third. So, okay, so Justin Herbert has has a pretty good start, right? He has he has Vegas and Kansas City, which is not great to start. But then he has a seven-week stretch that features the Texans, Jags, Falcons, Seahawks, and Browns. So he's got a really good start. Pair him with one Kirk Cousins, who has a ridiculously easy late. He finishes with Jets, Lions, Giants, and then even a bonus Week 18 Bears if you go that late. So... I think that's kind of a you know a pairing that I don't think a lot of people are clamoring to draft Kirk Cousins, but at the same time, if you grab Herbert and then you know you don't wait till the bare bottom Mac Jones tier, but you go one up and you grab Cousins, and I think you're kind of set there. Yeah, I like that. You get Cousins in round eleven. He pairs up nicely with Herbert. Also pairs up nicely with some of those other uh, you know fifth, sixth round quarterbacks as well. I love that. Uh, bargain. If you do want to bargain shop, I did want to bring up, I'm going to talk about Mac Jones again a little bit, but, uh, I, I really like, if you want to just straight up bargain shop at the quarterback position, uh, Tua Tagovailoa is, is available around 11. Mac is 16 and other guys that are right in there. Uh, you know, if I go bargain shopping, I'm going to take three quarterbacks for sure. Uh, I'll often take three anyway, but, um, I will definitely take three if I'm bargain shopping, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, has Washington and Houston on the weeks that Miami and New England. I can't are off. do it. Yeah, can't do but, it. but you can get him late. Like both of uh, I know. He's, he's in the 13th round. So, you know, I, I'm going to have best ball squads with Tua, Lawrence, and Mac. Uh, Zach Wilson also, Baltimore and Seattle on those weeks that, uh, on those weeks that Tua and Mac have buys. Uh, so both of those guys available in round three. A lot of my three quarterback stacks uh, when I'm going bargain shopping involve Tua and, you know, Lawrence, Mac, Zach, something like that. I'm just kind of cranking out the AFC East. That's how I'm doing when I'm bargain shopping. Uh, Chris, any like super late targets that you're after? Uh, I mean, for the type of production profile that I'm looking for, like for the late round guys, it really are like those guys that we just don't know what to do with. And I think you laid out the perfect case for like Tua Tungo-Vailoa. I mean, any of those guys that we just don't know how to value them. Uh, but other guys that might fit that vein as well. I mean, Daniel Jones. Uh, yeah. Matt Ryan, to be quite honest, I mean, Matt Ryan cranked out four games, if I remember correctly, of 300 plus yards and three touchdowns just last season. I mean, he arguably gets a better wide receiver core, better, definitely a better offensive line. 
Uh, so I, the, he's a good target. Also, Carson Wentz. I mean, for all of his faults in uh, in real life, in real football, he wasn't a horrific fantasy quarterback at, at specific moments in time last year, enough to cobble together at least a few you know top 12 weeks, which really, if you're pairing them with a early round quarterback, that's really all you need are just maybe four or five or like top 12 production like or finishes out of a late round guy in a study that I had done for the piece that I've got up on the site right now. I mean, those types of guys, because Ben Roethlisberger made the list of late round quarterbacks that were above the baseline playoff advancement rate just last year. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, so wow. if he can do that, I mean, and he only had three top 12 performances and one top six performance. So if that's really the baseline for what we do, and Carson Wentz made the same list last year. So, I mean, if those are the types of guys that can at least help give you that push into the playoffs, we should be able to target those same types of guys this year too. It's interesting with Wentz because Wentz, uh, you know, if if he threw the ball less than 30 times in a game, he usually put up, you know, quality fringe quarterback fantasy numbers because he'd usually get a couple touchdowns. He wasn't throwing picks. His completion rate was pretty high. Uh, if he had to throw more than 30, 35 times, it was a mess. He was throwing picks. He was yeah, just yeah. Or just what, just shovel passes that turned into pick yep. sixes or something like that. Yeah, it was just a complete disaster. <laughs> uh, Jed, did you have any other quarterback thoughts or can I move to running back? I'm scared to even say it. I have one more. Um, All right. It feels really gross, but we're Jared talking. Goff? No, but actually, I do. I do like Jared Goff, though. But that's not. That's not even because we're just talking basic schedule. That that's what this episode is about. So straight up schedule. Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. He has a really good start. Texans, Giants, Vikings, Commanders. I mean, I feel like you know desperation, right? But I feel like if you're going to throw a dart, he may start out hot and then fade, or he may just suck. But I think that he at least has the schedule to put him in the conversation. Why not? You never know what that new coaching staff is going to do. I I'm excited. I want I want that kid to succeed. Oh, I want yeah, him to see, too, succeed but... so bad. <laughs> All right, let's talk running backs. Um, I wanted to kind of talk about uh, you know, big discrepancies in schedules. So I've got one I'm going to throw out there. Uh, I, I'm watching J.K. Dobbins a lot because you look at his early schedule. He's got Baltimore. Uh, or I'm sorry, he's with Baltimore. He's up against Miami, New England, Buffalo, Cincinnati. Like, so just a brutal first part of the year schedule. Might be in a timeshare, might not get in the end zone very much. Uh, so if he struggles out the gate, I'm going to target to try to trade for him after about week five because uh, week 14 and 17, he gets Pittsburgh, who was last in rushing yards allowed per game last year. Uh, and then he gets week 16 against Atlanta, which could is probably going to be a mess defensively so I, I could see Dobbins being someone who struggles out the gate and blows up later and then on the other the flip side of that uh Joe Mixon's someone I'm gonna try to trade away around midseason because he opens against Pittsburgh Dallas the Jets has a great schedule and then uh you know he finishes against Tennessee Kansas City Cleveland Tampa New England and Buffalo so that's your playoffs right there this terrible terrible schedule uh against teams that will probably put up points against the Bengals uh so Mixon obviously always going to be a good player I'm not going to sit him but if I can trade him mid-season for a really really good haul I'm going to be very open to doing that based on the schedule and I might draft him accordingly based on that uh Chris, any thoughts on how you approach the running back going into the season? Uh, anything stand out to you? Yeah, a couple of things that I was doing like earlier today was just taking the 
NFL schedule and then pairing the the teams against their uh, their pass and rush deficiency uh, uh, efficiency numbers from from last season. Of course, you need to caveat some of that with like injuries and if some units improve because of what they did in the draft, like so on and so forth. There's some context involved, but at least that's the baseline. Uh, but a couple of uh, teams, at least that looked like they might have, or at least one team that looks like it might have a tough start, uh, Leonard Fournette with Tampa Bay. I mean, they start off against Dallas, uh, got New Orleans, Green Bay with their upgraded uh, upgraded defensive front. And then also they've got Kansas City, who, I mean, while their defensive front night might not be that great, but I mean, just more of a on an up-tempo type of game, assuming Kansas City is still up to being like, you know, Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes of old. Uh, so at least that might be at least a slightly tough schedule. I mean, at least they've got two matchups up there uh, where both of their defensive units were top three in defensive DVOA last year, according to Football Outsiders. Uh, the Rams in a similar situation. They got Buffalo, Arizona, San Francisco like within the first month of the season as well. So if you're a Cam Akers truther or even just a Daryl Henderson like person as well, I mean, the first month like might be a little bit difficult. Uh, so, I mean, that's just something that I'm considering, like when looking at like the early starts, uh, but for guys like Austin Eckler, I mean, the chargers got a pretty solid schedule to open the season. They do. I mean, yeah. Vegas, Kansas city, Jacksonville, Houston. I mean, I, you couldn't really ask for a better runway for Austin Eckler or even chances at seeing how they're going to incorporate a guy like Isaiah Spiller into the offense. If they are going to be a team that's going to be. I don't know, playing with the lead, at least at some point, I would assume if against Jackson and Houston, uh, I mean, Jacksonville and Houston, they should at least be able to do that. So we might see flashes of the rookie and get a chance to evaluate him early on in the season. And uh, the defense should be better too. So I think they'll keep some of those games a little closer, uh, right with what you're saying. I agree. Mm -hmm. Jen, uh, any running back stand out for you after looking at the schedule? Yeah, I kind of went in the other direction, and I looked at guys with good starts and good ends. Nice. Um, so one guy I found, and we've talked about him a lot on the show, uh, is one Miles Sanders. Mm. Uh, the Eagles start out week one; they they're at the Lions. Week two, home Monday night against the Vikings. So that that'll be you know interesting. Um, then they got Commanders, Jags, and Cardinals. All defenses are in the lower half of the league ranking wise, uh, and. You know, Miles right now is ADP of 84. Like, yeah. you know, so he's a guy that's going to have a hot start. And then on the flip side, um, someone that could potentially have a good end. Uh, I'm not he's 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 a polarizing guy. And that would be Saquon Barkley. I understand people are in people are out. However, uh, the Giants, after their week nine bye, they get the Texans, the Lions. Then they have a seven game stretch that has five division games, which includes Washington twice and, you know, the, they're the NFC East. So we know what that's all about. So, um, you know, Barkley is, is definitely a bargain, I guess, at this point. And it, it's a matter of whether you believe in his health, whether you believe in him, whether you believe in the O line, all of that. Um, but he is kind of a sneaky guy that could, you know, maybe not in redraft, maybe for best ball, if you want to, you know, invest in him, he might be someone that could help you out at the end of the season with those easy matchups. They finally got a tackle, too. Evan Neal should be an, an instant mm -hmm. plug-and-play guy. Should help that run game. Should help the pass game. I kind of like that. I kind of dig that. Uh, also, James Robinson, Travis Etienne, I'm just looking right now. Week 16 and 17 against the Jets in Houston. We talked about uh, – Chris beautiful. talked about the Jacksonville-Houston game at the end of the season. I might I might, I might, throw some bones at Robinson and Etienne. Uh, and Miles Sanders in my my four running back builds in best ball is my favorite RB3, my, my, my absolute favorite RB3 right now based on ADP. I like that. Yeah, and I guess one more point to go back to like our, our early conversation. Since you just brought up the Jacksonville-Houston game, 
one thing that I don't think goes really like all that much discussed in best ball mania strategy is just the, I guess the requirement for a, or not the requirement, but say like creating a unique roster, because that's the other thing that a lot of mm -hmm. folks like you need to have, like oh, yeah. trying because you need to be able to dif differentiate from the field. And so while TJ's article lays out just, I mean, good targets, I mean, good matchups, but how many folks are going to read that and how many folks are going to key in on the same matchups? I mean, not everybody's going to be looking at Houston Jacksonville. I mean, not everybody's going to be looking at, there's another one I saw earlier, like Arizona Atlanta playing in week 17. I mean, like, so take the, like, take the games or take the matchups that a lot of the, like the touts and like the smart folks like TJ are, are laying out for you, but also try and do your homework and find some of those matchups that might go under the radar, like what we're talking about right now too. We're going to call it the counter TJ strategy. You have to differentiate. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's going to read TJ. You got to counter TJ. That's what you but got. Then, <laughs> but then also listen to T-Map and then add that. That's the super secret. Yeah, right. that yeah that's, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. That, absolutely the case. Um, I got I got to stop drafting Christian Kirk, Chris. I just keep drafting <laughs> Christian Kirk. Why are you drafting Christian Kirk? Because he's always there really Dude. late. Like that's what yeah. he's just always there. He's always there. And I'm like, I, I, I think he's going to win somebody two million bucks. I mean, I think Jacksonville for Houston week 17. Yeah. Like in redraft, I'm going to be less excited up, about him. But we're going to have to fire up the All Stars again, Brandon. <laughs> in redraft, I think he's going to be wildly frustrating. And best of all, I think he's going to get 100 plus targets. I just do. I just okay. that's. We'll, re we'll revisit this. At some I know. Point I, got, I got to stop. I got to stop. It's it's, <laughs> it's 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 it cannot yield positive results. There's no way this no, ends well for me. But I just not. keep drafting. Uh, I did that with Corey Davis last year. I just kept drafting Corey Davis. I couldn't help it. Oh, so man, yeah. <laughs> it didn't work out. Uh, so, uh, I, I, Jen, one thing I, I take my in redraft, I take my um, defense strategy from you, uh, which is I stream throughout the year, but I always draft somebody with an early, nice schedule uh, that's available in the last or second to last round in my redraft. Uh, so, uh, week one, good matchups. I, I, I put uh, put my thumb on Philly because they face Detroit. As much as I like Detroit, I'll probably draft Philly um, if they're available. If they're not, I'm gonna have to get a little creative. But uh, but that's kind of who I'm going. At. What are you doing with uh, defenses? Looking at the schedule. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. You know, I, I think that uh, I always draft a defense and a kicker that have a solid Week One matchup. And if I don't, and if, if there's not one that I love, I just kind of draft anyone and then I deal with it later as the week goes on, you know, because usually you draft a couple of weeks or whatever before the season starts and something may happen. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I think that I think those are all good choices. I think Philly, I think Cincinnati is a good choice. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you've got Washington uh, against Jacksonville or vice versa, really. You could take either one of those defenses against the other. So I think that, uh, that those are probably good ones to start with. Nice, nice. Chris, do you have defense thoughts or any other redraft approaches that that the schedule influences for you? Uh, Philly was definitely on my list. Uh, they got Detroit and then uh, Minnesota like the following week. So, I mean, if there's definitely oh, nice. offensive line concerns like for Minnesota right now. So Kirk Cousins is always good for a fumble or, you know, boneheaded interception or two. So that's <laughs> definitely uh, on the table for Philly. Uh, but 49ers open up with a solid couple of weeks. So what, Chicago and then Seattle? Uh, the first couple of weeks. So uh, if you are looking for, you know, a few sacks, uh, maybe a couple of turnovers there. I mean, the 49ers are definitely a team that can generate uh, some turnovers for you to start the season for sure. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and that's all I've got on schedule. Jen, do you have any other schedule thoughts, anything from redraft best ball or uh, just uh, fandom, whatever the case may be, any other schedule thoughts before we go? 
No, I mean, I think that we'll probably, I would assume, kind of reconvene later on once, uh, you Certainly. know, and go over, you know, AFPA and all that kind of stuff uh, when we get closer and look at, you know, really get into the schedule and really get into uh, guys we're looking at in redraft once training camp. So, you know, once we get more of an idea of kind of what's going on. But I think for now, I mean, I feel like we covered a lot. I think we covered enough for people to kind of, you know, get into those underdog lobbies and, and at least have some ideas of what's, uh, you know, things to do. Excellent. Excellent. Chris, any final thoughts uh, before we go? Well, I looked over the schedule, uh, looked at what Cincinnati's got on the docket, and I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it right now. We're, we're going back, baby. We're, <laughs> we're going to make it back. We're going back to the, we're going back to at least, you know, division champs this year. I see, I count at least nine wins. Uh, for, no for Super Bengals. Bowl hangover in Cincinnati. No, no Super no Bowl. Super Bowl. We're, we're going back. All right. <laughs> Playoff bound, baby. Then Joe Burrow, Joey B's going to take us back. Lyle Collins, his protector. You know, the bodyguard. I mean, they, they've got it all for this year. I don't care about Joe Mixon's schedule. He's going to be a good key piece, but we got Jamar. we got everybody else. I see nine wins on it. We're going to make it. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Cincinnati uh, going all the way. I'm rooting for it too, man. I love I love these Bengals. These Bengals are fun. Uh, thank you so much, Chris and Jen. Always a pleasure. Don't forget to If I could speak. Uh, <laughs> listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at The Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for checking us out. Have a good day.